fast food. Going in, around and around, coming out, going in again, around and around again, coming out again, going in slowly, inside, to please with everything, going out, around and around, back inside, going out again, coming out, yum, fast food. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week we are taking things a little lighter than we have been. Not that the last two episodes were heavy episodes, but they were pretty heavy episodes as far as content went because we covered a heck of a lot of things in the last two episodes. 20 different things that I never thought I would get around to, some of which I had gotten around to, but most of which I had forgotten about if I had gotten around to them. After all, this is a narrative podcast, not a things podcast. I leave it up to my collectors to cover and remember the things, and I really want to extend a round of applause one more time to Bradley and Jeremy for being with me for two whole episodes and covering so many fascinating things. If you didn't listen to the last two because you're like, I don't really want to listen to stuff about stuff, listen to the stuff about stuff, man, because those two guys... My collector guys, they are incredible, and there was so much information packed into those last eps. But what is packed into this episode is going to be a lot lighter, because this episode we are covering 2000s The Berenstain Bears Go In and Out, and I'm going to be right up front with you. It is so hard for me, as a human being, not to make inappropriate jokes about the title of this book. In fact, I believe the one time I mentioned it was in re- was regarding the title and not wanting to make a joke about the Berenstain Bears go in and out. And this whole time, I'm like, how am I going to avoid making a joke about the Berenstain Bears going in and out? And if you don't know what joke is just bouncing around inside my head, kudos to you for being a better human being than I am because, oh boy, there's clockwork orange jokes aplenty banging up against the back of my brain, screaming to be let out, and I will not let them out. I will not even let them in. Because this is the Berenstain Bears go in and out from the year 2000. It's a Random House book. And it is also, if my calculations are correct, the final, final step into reading book. That is right. We are now finally closing out the Berenstain Bears step into reading series. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little choked up about it. Not too choked up about it. I'm choked up about a lot of things. Not really about finishing the Step Into Reading book, but it's also our final appearance by the Mystery Bears, the child and older bear, or simply the short and tall bear. We're not really sure what their story is. I believe we may have gotten some drips and drabs of information that this was supposed to be Papa and Brother, but maybe not. These are the books that just have a random adult bear and a random cub who are our Step Into Reading bears. They are the two that represent, hey, Reading is a thing. Let's step into it, I guess. And this is the Berenstain Bears go in and out. And frankly, there's a lot of questions about it, but I'm not going to try to waste too much time because this is a little bit of a buffer episode before we pick things up with like our big, uh, you know, story episodes. And But I, I cannot help but be confused and confounded and delighted and charmed by this weird book because, let's face it, I read the entire thing before the... Uh, theme song. And you might have been wondering if this is a book about what? 
going in and out or fast food? Or is it about fast food going in and out of the body? Because if you just read the words, it sure does seem it's a book about not being able to keep down your lunch. Well, I have news for you. It is not a book about fast food in general, but it is a book about that mystery of humankind called The Revolving Door. And I do find it funny that this book focuses so much on burgers and fast food, and it's called In-N-Out, but it's not about In-N-Out burgers. So for those of you who live in areas of the country or the world in which the In-N-Out burger is a thing, I'm sorry, we're not covering it today. I've never had an In-N-Out burger. I probably will never have an In-N-Out burger. I don't have strong feelings about In-N-Out Burger, so I am not your go-to for In-N-Out Burger information. Although, if you wanted me to, maybe I'll do a bonus episode about the history of In-N-Out Burger, but it would require me to do a little more research. This is the Baron St. Bears Go In-N-Out. It's about burgers, and it's about going in and out, but it's mostly about revolving doors. The basic plot is that our cub and adult... And I want to point out right now that in the copy of this book I have, the adult is wearing a green jacket and blue pants on the first page, and then a blue jacket and blue pants for the rest of the book. I don't know if that's a coloring issue, but that is what I am looking at right now, uh, because usually they're wearing matching tracksuits. And for the opening of this book, it just looks like he's wearing an outfit. It's really distracting and weird. That's just where I'm coming from. Our tracksuited bears want to go to Burgers. That's the name of this restaurant, Burgers. Uh, or it could be called Burgers, 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 because it says Burgers three times on the front. But to get into Burgers, you have to go through a revolving door. And they are very hungry for their fast food. There's a revolving door at the front of Burgers, or Burgers, Burgers, Burgers. The tall bear tries to go in, but he, he does not go in. He accidentally rides the revolving door all the way around. So he goes in again, and it sends him around and around again several times. It sends him around and around again several times so much that when he is ejected one more time, the knees, elbows, and hem of his jacket are torn asunder. That is right. This revolving door has damaged the clothing and presumably the skin of our tall bear. Uh, he goes in again, but he tries to go in slowly this time. He ends up inside shaking. I assume he's shaking. Those could be stink lines. Uh, but now he is inside burgers. And the 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 bear at the counter... And this is a this is a greasy spoon type place, I guess, because the the the, the bear manning the counter, who is wearing a lime green counter outfit, lime green hat, has an earring in their ear, uh, has all the fixins for these burgers on the counter, and a grill right there at at knee height, at hand height, like you could trip and fall into the grill. That is how compact this fast food restaurant is. Uh, gazes at this at this presumably shaking or presumably stinky bear uh, who orders two burgers hands hands the bear two burgers loaded down on plates that are the exact diameter of the burgers so they're not wasting any space here they're like here is your burger here is your burger sized plate take it and go with god no bags no boxes just balanced burgers on burger-sized plates through a revolving door that sends the bear, of course, back inside the burger's restaurant, which, because we've already seen this bear has trouble getting into the burger restaurant, so presumably going through the same door will present the same problem as going the other direction through the revolving door, because there's no direction with revolving doors. The bear ends up back inside, stinkier, more beat up and torn up than before, tries to go out again, and ends up finally outside, uh, but now its pants are the color that its jacket were in the beginning. I don't know what is happening with the color in this book. 
hands the burger to the smaller of the two bears, and they they greedily devour their fast food. Yum. And that's the story. That's the story. A tall bear has trouble getting inside a restaurant because of the revolving door. Tall bear has trouble getting back out of the restaurant because of the revolving door. Has gigantic burgers. The end. That's the story. Bear and St. Bears go in and out. But let's focus on the focus. Let's focus on the central conceit of this book, which is the revolving door. What is the revolving door? What is this revolving door? Well, in the Berenstain Bears go in and out, this revolving door is a pole with four panels attached to it. And these panels are not even doors. They are simply sheets of glass. This is the most basic revolving door you could possibly encounter. It doesn't have handles. It doesn't even have windows. It doesn't even have like weather stripping. It's just panes of glass that you push, that go in a circle. That's the revolving door. It is a seemingly proper revolving door. I'm looking at it now from the outside. It's a proper revolving door in that when it would seem, well, yes, it's hard to tell. Okay, because the way it's drawn, we don't get a good sense of whether or not, no, it is not a proper revolving door. This is an improper revolving door. And I will tell you what makes it an improper revolving door. What makes this an improper revolving door is that it is not sealed to the elements regardless of its positioning. So a proper revolve. let's talk about the revolving door. What is the revolving door? Uh, a revolving door is a door that consists of uh, a central pole, like the shaft. And so there's like a, like a, so it spins, it rotates on this axis. And there are panels that stick out from this axis that act as the doors. But the whole idea behind the revolving door is that at, at any point in its rotation, at all points in its rotation, the interior of a building and the exterior of a building are sealed off from each other. Meaning that you can go through this door and no matter how it is positioned, the elements are not, the inside of the building are not exposed to the elements. It keeps the inside of the building sealed off from the outside of the building at all times. It is the perfect door. Theoretically, it's a perfect door. So it allows for entry into a building without ever exposing that building to the outside air. I mean, eventually the outside air will get in because it'll enter with the person, but there's no draft. There's no ex like constant exchange of air. It is the perfect door for you know, things. It also helps regulate, uh, theoretically, helps regulate uh, air pressure and drafts, uh, especially in high-rise buildings. So that's good, I guess. It, it's, it's, a, it's a regulatory measure in a building. And it was invented, and if you want the history of the revolving door, I'm going to tell you a little something. No matter where you go for the history of the revolving door, you're only getting what you get on Wikipedia. They will try to expand it into articles, and you can look at like patent drawings and stuff, but you're only ever getting what's on the Wikipedia page because a whole lot is not known about the history of the revolving door, or enough is known. Like You'll need to know what we know because it's not that interesting. All we know is that in 1881, 
this guy, H. Bockhacker, which is a great name for a German, patented the door without draft of air, or the, I would say it in German, but I'm not going to. And it was the first revolving door. It's not what you think of, though. What Brockhacker invented was basically a giant cylinder with a door on the outside of the cylinder. And you would walk up to a building, you would open the door, and you would step into this cylinder. You would shut the door, and then you would rotate the cylinder around so it was facing inside the building. Then you would open the door again, step into the building, shut the door, and presumably the person, the next person to enter or group of people would rotate the cylinder back around and step into the door and repeat the process. It was slow. It was laborious. But the whole point was that it kept drafts from entering the building. And this was really important as, as more and more buildings were, were, were developing foyers. Buildings were getting taller, were getting bigger. There was more traffic going in and out as cities grew. Uh, and you were trying to keep not only like the cold from getting in, but the stink of a city from getting into your building. Uh, and so this was a great concept. Like let's, let's develop essentially an airlock uh, in front of each building. And he patented this. And no one, no one was interested. Like this was, in, this was too much trouble. Like this was literally too much trouble uh, for for people to to rotate an entire, basically a small room, uh, essentially a phone booth around themselves every time they entered a building. I could see why this didn't take off. And so, in 1888 in Philadelphia, this guy Theophilus von Kannel who we don't actually know much about. There's like stories that float around about this guy. We don't know anything about Theophilus von Kannel except for what he's patent his patents. Uh, he invented a new thing called a storm door structure. And this is what we think of as a revolving door. Uh, the, the patent itself says it has three radiating and equidistant wings, which are our panels. They're equally spaced from the central hub. Uh, provided with weather strips or equivalent means to ensure a snug fit. So this this is a thing that will okay. So what I said before about the bears revolving door not having weather stripping that is what that is what makes a revolving door work. It makes the it's 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 rubber or or brushes on the ends of the panels that make it slide against the inside of, and here is what the Berenstain Bears door does not have either, this, uh, this cylindrical entryway so that all of the panels, at some point, the panels are, there's always panels touching the inside of this, of this entryway, which means that air isn't freely flowing from inside, from the inside of the outside. Uh, it also ensures that the doors can't be blown open by wind. You cannot collide with anyone, except, ex and except, but people can always be coming in and out. So you always have people coming in and out of the building because the, the doors can rotate, but they'll never run into each other. Uh, they will always just be passing by each other. Also, uh, outside noise won't get in because the outside is always closed off uh, with the revolving door. And, and here's something I never thought about, but the original patent included hinges on these panels so you could stop the revolving door, uh, flip back the panels, and allow the passage of long objects through the revolving door. 
Uh, and that is and that is basically what what the revolving door was and is and still is today. It's pretty much the same thing. Uh, some changes have been made, but not necessarily to the revolving door. Some revolving doors have four panels. Uh, revolving doors are larger or smaller, depending on you know like but depending on access laws in the area. But that's that's your revolving door and. Uh, the only real change that has been made is that they uh, many places made it a law that in addition to revolving doors, you had to have regular doors on either side uh, because of basically uh, for emergency reasons. Because in an in the event of an emergency, uh, as has been shown, uh, uh, the uh, revolving doors can be can become like dangerous. In 1942, uh, the Coconut Grove in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, there was a fire in the Coconut Grove, and 492 people were killed. And one of the main reasons that they cited for this for this tragedy was that there was only one revolving door, and it was the entrance, and people people jammed it, and they died. Like that's 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 one of the dangers. So because of that, uh, you had to have. Uh, regular doors flanking a revolving door after that, which only makes sense. And that's why you'll see a revolving door and you'll see signs up saying, please use the revolving door because those those regular doors on the other side, those are for emergencies. The whole point of a revolving door is to keep, is to regulate the air inside a building. And they have been proven uh, uh, in study after study to work. Um, in, in the 1960s, in the early 2000s, studies were conducted that proved that they cut down on the use of, of energy in a building. They, they make it so you don't have to constantly work to heat a building because they keep cold air from coming in. And also, they, uh, they, they do help with the pressure inside a high-rise building. You, do, you may not notice, but when, when, when you enter a high-rise building through a regular door, there is, there is an ch- exchange of pressure that happens because you know, high-rises... They just contain a lot. Like the air pressure is just—it's—it's it's incredible once you get up to the top of a high-rise building. And what a re- revolving door does is keep that pressure uh, regulated. So that's just—that's a little bit of history of the revolving door. People still use them, and uh, and yes, there are uh, there are problems with revolving doors. There are there are questions of access, but those are being addressed. Um, as, as larger and more accessible revolving doors uh, come in use, and of course, as buildings realize that they're not for everyone, and they always, re- they, you know, because of access issues, they have to require uh, more accessible entry for people. But that's that's your basic revolving door. And so from, from 1881 up to 1888, uh, up to the modern day, we still use these revolving doors, and they're pretty much, pretty much what, what, what we got from the beginning. Uh, revolving doors became a symbol of the, the mechanization of the worker in popular culture, particularly in the 60s, as, as critiques of high-rise culture, as critiques of the, of the worker bee syndrome started to filter down into the popular, popular mindset. We started seeing revolving doors as emblematic of, of the dehumanization of, of American industry and worldwide industry, of, the, of corporate culture. Uh, because you, you know, what's, a better, what's a better symbol for, for the dehumanization of the worker than something that shows that, that the workers are simply drones going through a revolving door, that identity doesn't matter, and that they can easily replace you with the next worker coming in through the revolving door. So so revolving doors got a bad rap symbolically. And they also got a bad rap because they were seen as difficult, as as a uh, 
as as improving upon something that didn't need improving upon. And we see that in the Berenstain Bears go in and out. This could be a simple door, and yet it provides an unnecessary obstacle to the bears who are just trying to get their meat, meat, their grilled meat patties complete with all the fixins. Uh, and so so large bear just has trouble getting in and out. But it, it, to be honest, once you, once you figure out the timing of the revolving door, they're not that difficult. You know, we've we've had them for over a uh, hundred years now. We've hammered out a lot of the problems, uh, but I understand it. If you don't like revolving doors, I'm I'm looking at this revolving door and just having so many issues with it because it's drawn as as being a legitimate revolving door. But this building in this book is is very two dimensional and not well thought out. So it insists upon itself as having a revolving door entryway, but it doesn't because when you look at it from both sides of the revolving door, there is no revolving door entryway, just a revolving door, which doesn't, which shouldn't work as a revolving door, but it insists upon the viewer and the, and the reader and the, and the, and the, and the person observing that at, 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 it's a quantum revolving door. It both exists and does not exist at the same time. I don't know how else to explain it. It's an amazing piece of structure. But that's the revolving door. That's the revolving door. That's the Berenstain Bears go in and out. I have absolutely nothing else to add to it except this is a short episode because, 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 because I have a lot of things going on right now. And I'm so glad I got this short little book this week because... I have three other podcasts this week that I am doing the editing on. Three others, you may say. Why, yes, three others. Um, Click It Cast, a Beverly Cleary podcast that I do with John McCoy, is finally finishing up this week, our final episode after five years and only 30-some episodes. We finally finished up with the end of the Beverly Cleary series with uh, Beverly Cleary's second episode. Uh, memoir, My Own Two Feet. So so if you want to check out the final Beverly Cleary episode, check that out. Uh, uh, the final episode of uh, Pizza Toast covering the HBO Babysitter's Club series will be coming out this week. We'll be covering the final episode of that series. It's not the final episode of the podcast, but it is the final episode of that series. So I'll be editing and releasing that at the end of this week, probably the same day this drops. Uh, and also, uh, it's Del Toro time. The podcast that I do with with my soon to be not a teenager Willow uh, about horror and horror writing and sometimes uh, the influences of Guillermo del Toro's work uh, we'll be picking back up again uh, if not this week we'll be recording and editing this week so it's just a heavy week as far as as far as podcasts go for me so I'm so glad this one is a this one's a simple one I guess got to talk about the bears a little bit and rotating doors in particular uh, so that's that's it Berenstain Bears go in and out and also check out Pizza Toast and Click It Cast and It's Del Toro Time. Those are my other podcasts. If you want to hear me talk, I would really appreciate it. Uh, so thanks for listening. And if you want, you know, drop me a line or review this show. It's been going on for about 280 episodes at this point, not including bonus episodes and the like. So I've done well over 300 episodes of Berenstain Bears related stuff uh, in the almost almost six years i've been doing this show I'm, I'm 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 reaching six years so if you've been with me for that long thanks if you haven't thanks for listening leave me a review i would really love to hear from you and uh, i will see you all next time 
with more Berenstain Bears goodness, I guess, deep in bear country.